SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Lisa Burkhart Worley of Pearls of Promise Ministries, and welcome to Pop Talk, the show where you never know what topics might pop up. Good friendships are sometimes hard to find and even more difficult to maintain. So how can we have unity in our relationships? It's the million-dollar question, and today our guest, Kevin Almond, may be able to help us improve all of our relationships, so I know you're going to want to stay with us. Let me introduce him. Kevin Almond is a conference speaker, an author, a Bible teacher who has taught across denominational, gender, age, and racial lines for over 30 years. His efforts to encourage and teach people how to walk in unity are well documented through working with numerous church affiliations and national ministry leaders. Kevin's been a key speaker on the National Day of Prayer, a guest speaker at the 2021 NRB convention. He's a certified John Maxwell coach, and he's authored nine books on the connection between biblical unity and every person's God-given destiny, including Unity. It's every Christian's call. Discover the key to fulfilling your destiny. He's also developed interdenominational discipleship strategies for inner city ministry and has sat on multiple committees with community and church leaders. Kevin and his wife, Kathleen, have been married 40 years and they live in Fort Worth, Texas with their son, Jonathan. So glad to have you on Pop Talk Radio, Kevin. I know you've been on the television version of Pop Talk and we just felt like you had more to say. So we wanted to have you back on. And my first question is, why is it so difficult to maintain relationships over a stretch of time? Well, first of all, Lisa, let me let me thank you for having me on. It's always great to be with you, and I really appreciate it. I'm honored. And uh, yes, uh, this is, you know, this unity is, a, a biblical unity is such an intricate subject. And I think that to answer your question, I think that people generally, I mean, in all the years that I've dealt with people and worked with people in different denominations and different levels of ministry, uh, and just outside of ministry even, I don't think that people really understand the biblical principles of relationship uh, and what God's Word really has to say about it. Because really, to get to that point, we have to really uh, intentionally spend a lot of time in God's Word uh, to be able to understand these things, and it's uh, it it takes uh, you know rearranging their priorities sometimes, and uh, well, that's what we've tried to do with the books is we've tried to find those things and have found them and put them in a in a way and in a sequence that people can easily understand and apply it to their lives. A, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, Ed Cole, used to say, if you can't apply God's word practically then you have problems. So what good is it if you can't apply it practically? And this is what we need to do when it comes to unity. We need to learn how to apply God's Word practically. And I think that people just just don't understand exactly how to connect the dots, so to speak, when it comes to unity because they haven't really understood what biblical unity is about. 
You know, I think Christians have just as much trouble with unity as non-Christians sometimes. So can you give a, a correct biblical definition of unity in Christ and the model for every relationship? Yes, uh, unity is it's a very intricate subject. I say the most intricate subject just because it deals with walking in God's love towards one another. And this is what the Bible is about. It's from Genesis to Revelation is about God's love for his most prized creation, mankind, and so and his redemption of man. So uh, when we when we define it, unity can be defined in, in many different ways correctly. Uh, simply put, it's walking in God's love towards one another, even when we don't agree on everything. And it can also be defined as when the character of our relationships become identical to the character relationship that exists between the Father and the Son. And this is in reference to the last prayer, one of the last prayers of Jesus, when he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And perhaps one of the, one of the, but my favorite definition, so just simply put, is the Father's love and Christ-like character visibly expressed through his followers toward each other in true relationship. If we look at uh, the life of Jesus, his with the greatest relationship and the greatest example and model of relationship is the relationship that he had uh, with the Father. And this is something that that every Christian needs to know, and there's so much in that relationship, so many different principles to learn and to understand. It's it's impossible to cover them all here, but uh, very simply put, Jesus, everything that he did, he did uh, uh, in terms of with the Father, he did to, to model his relationship and his love for the Father. Everything that he did, he said, one of the things he said, he said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. And every time someone asked him a question, about these kinds of things, he always went back to the Father. And his love for the Father was, was the number one thing that he always put out there and made sure that people understood. And this is the key for us in, in terms of our relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is, whether it's a, a biblical, uh, a marital, whether it's a ministerial relationship, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a social relationship, whether it's a family relationship, all of our relationships, if we don't have the love of Christ at the foundation, according to what Jesus told us in Matthew 22, 37 and 39, where he said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. We can't love our neighbors and we can't love others horizontally if we don't have the vertical relationship correct and in place, and that is our love for God, which is what Jesus said in John, uh, I believe it was 14, John chapter 14 and 15. He said it three or four times. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. And obedience is their evidence of our love for, for God. And so as we we seek to get this vertical relationship right and we seek to walk out that love and reflect it back to him, this is the thing that prepares us so that every relationship we ever have is going to be as Christ-like as it could be and reach the greatest uh, heights that it could possibly reach of success and, uh, and where it's going, to, it's going to be the most prosperous. If God's love isn't in it and we're not walking in God's love the way we should toward one another, the relationship can never be what God intended it to be.
Yeah, loves the answer. It's not always easy to do. Um, I, I, you know, we have to have the Holy Spirit, I think, guiding us into love for everyone else. And, and sometimes uh, we have these situations where it's not even someone we know or in relationship with, and we're called to love. I, I had this situation that could have caused division. I was at a musical that our church put on called Beauty and the Beast. Everyone's heard of Beauty and the Beast, I think. I was there with my spiritual daughter and my two godchildren. And so my little six-year-old godson is very smart. And he was asking a lot of questions during the musical. So I could tell that he was really processing out loud. And then during the intermission, the lady in front of me, she just turned around and she complained about his chattiness. And then she actually said, why did you bring him to the play in the first place? Okay. Everything in me wanted to be rude and, and back to her, but guess what? The Holy spirit just restrained my tongue. And I actually apologized that we bothered her. I'm still thinking about it, though. <laughs> How is the Holy Spirit significant uh, in having more unity in relationships, Kevin? Well, Jesus told us uh, he had quite a bit to say about the Holy Spirit and his part in our lives and in unity. He told us in John chapter 14, verse 26, when he was talking about sending the Holy Spirit back, he said that the Holy Spirit would be, among many things, he would be our teacher and that he would teach us all things. And that word all means just what it says. It means all things. Anything that we need to be taught, anything that we need to know or learn will be taught to us by the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back. And he said that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance everything that he had said to us. Now, for you and I today, that means the Scripture. That means the Word of God because Jesus is the Word. It means everything related to the Word of God and in the Word of God. So anytime that we need to know the Scriptures and know how to apply God's Word to any particular situation, particularly in relationships, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that brings it not only to our remembrance, but teaches us and trains us and shows us how to actually take that Word and apply it to our lives in the most practical way. So the Holy Spirit, if we need to know for example, how to walk in unity. The only one that can teach us is the Holy Spirit. If we need to know how to have the best marriage we can have, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. In fact, this is interesting. In Proverbs, it tells us that there's a scripture that says in Proverbs that he who commits adultery lacks understanding. The Bible, if you study the whole thing out in terms of the Holy Spirit and understanding, he's the one that brings us understanding. Proverbs says that the uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but then it says and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is representing the Holy Spirit in that second part of that verse. He's the one. What does a teacher do? A teacher brings understanding to the student. And so in reference to that verse and talking about relationship, he who commits adultery is without or lacks understanding. We could read that verse to say, he who commits adultery lacks intimacy with the Holy Spirit. This is a very, very powerful lesson uh, to learn in terms of relationship and, and what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. The more intimate a relationship we have with the Holy Spirit, the better our relationships will be, whether they're marital, ministerial, business, social, etc. 
So in terms of unity, he is the one that will bring us into the unity that we need to be in, that Jesus prayed for. But if we keep pushing him away, we'll never get there. I often ask the Holy Spirit to show me how uh, God views a person, you know, especially a difficult person, so that I don't judge them just because they're strong or because they're harsh or because they're closed off. And so we must do that, I think, in order to then we'll have even a better appreciation um, for the person once we see them in a different light. But we do have this enemy of our souls who does not want us to have unity, whether it's unity in the church, our homes, or in our friendships. This verse comes to mind, Matthew twelve twenty five, and it says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand Why does the devil try to divide us? Why is his greatest fear the unity of believers, Kevin? Well, when we walk in unity, Jesus is manifested to the greatest degree in our lives. And in order for us to walk in unity as a group of believers, as the body of Christ, we have to first walk in line with his word in our individual life. What that means is is that we have to come in line with the head. When we follow the greatest commandment that I spoke of earlier, where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. When we do that and we surrender to that, then Christ, our head, is manifested. Jesus' character is manifested in us to the greatest degree possible. When that happens, if everybody were doing that, that's all it really simply takes for us to, to finally, as a body of believers, to be in unity is if everybody simply did their part and focused on what they're supposed to be doing, instead of pointing fingers at each other or whatever the case may be, if they would simply just walk in line with God's Word and develop their intimate relationship with God first, their horizontal relationships would be where they need to be in every aspect to the greatest degree. Now, what this means as far as the enemy is concerned is is that when when uh, when Jesus defeated him at the cross and rose again and walked out of the tomb, that was the devil's greatest defeat, of course, and we know that. Well, that is duplicated when we come together and when we walk in unity and come in line with the head. When the body comes in line with the head, the enemy sees Christ manifested, visibly expressed through every believer that's willing to do that. And he's ultimately defeated, even though we know that that he is already defeated. He has no little victories here uh, against us or against anyone else for the person that's walking in line as they should be and allowing unity to be manifested or Christ to be manifested through them and visibly expressed. He has nothing in his in his little tool bag of tricks that he can pull out that can be uh, victorious in any way because uh, he's defeated and he's reminded of that same defeat Every time that you or I or any group of believers or even when we as individuals submit to God, surrender to God, and develop that relationship intimately with him vertically, then the the devil cringes. And there's absolutely no way that he can have any small victory or any type of victory at all in our lives or anyone else's when we're doing that. It's just, it's impossible. And this is why one of the main reasons why he's afraid of unity, because he knows the strength of unity. Now, in terms of of, uh, division that you spoke of there, there's also where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. That word peace in the Greek can be translated unity. Strange terminology for him to say, 
He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword to set a mother against a daughter, a father against a son, and a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. What that means when we study it out is that when truth, represented as Jesus, is proclaimed in an organization, in a group, in a family, in a business, in an organization, when truth walks into the midst of a people and is proclaimed, decisions have to be made. People have to decide what side are they going to be on. They're going to be on the side of truth or not. Sometimes before there can be unity, there has to be a division so we can see who's a part of what. Because the enemy comes into the church, the Bible says, as an enemy of light. He he comes in, uh, disguised as light, but he sneaks in as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And when we start proclaiming truth, we find out real quickly who is actually for truth and who is against truth. So it's um, there's a lot there, but basically— Unity is the answer for where we're at in the body of Christ right now, which is simply to say walking in God's love toward one another. That's where we need to be focusing. And you do see that disunity in families maybe more than any place because families are so intimate. And if there's a believer and a non-believer living in the same household, it can cause friction if the truth is proclaimed and the other person doesn't believe in it. And I just think about uh, Jesus and the 12 disciples. They were pretty close for three years. They spent almost every minute together. They could have had a falling out or two. What do you think? Jesus' attitude was uh, toward relationship with his disciples? Well, you know, there was a lot of respect there. They they knew who he was, and he he encouraged them. You know, he delegated authority to them. He trusted them. He demonstrated that trust, because if he didn't demonstrate that trust to them, then they wouldn't understand what trust was about. But he trusted them. The Bible says that God first trusted us. He trusted us with the gospel is actually what it says in First Thessalonians. Uh, but uh, he, he respected them. He walked with them. He encouraged them. And he, he very clearly just demonstrated what true biblical unity was about because he walked in love toward them. Yes, they had some problems. Yes, there were some arguments between them at, uh, here and there. But that's natural. That's normal. You're going to have that when you build relationships. Sometimes there's going to be, like you said, some friction. But if we keep our eyes, so to speak, on Jesus, if we keep our eyes on the prize, if we keep our eyes on what the Word of God says and how to treat people, and we know God's Word, His Word is in us, it's operating in me. That's why I say it like this in the book, to have a working knowledge of His Word, which simply means God's Word is in me, God's Word is working in me, and it's working through me and being expressed in every decision I make, and in every relationship that I'm in, and in every way that I communicate to people, that expression is there. And if we'll focus on that, then we're going to have the kind of relationships that we need to have. And this is what Jesus modeled with the disciples. I mean, he he was all about business. You know, he was there for, for a purpose. So every waking minute that he was with the disciples, he was teaching them, training them, demonstrating them how to, to to how to walk so that when he left, they would know exactly what to do and how to allow, you know, his expression, his character to be manifested through them so that people could come to Christ. Because that's how people come to Christ is when God's love is manifested and expressed. That's what draws people to Christ is the manifestation and expression of his love to, towards others. 
And this is why it's so important for us to make sure that we start getting there, act together, so to speak. I say it in the book a number of times, the call to unity is an individual call before it is ever a corporate call because the body of Christ is made up of individuals. And that individual calling is calling every person in Christ to get their spiritual house in order. It's time for us to get busy and do what we're here to do. Well, on that note, what would you say the main thing Jesus is looking for in a relationship with us individually? Uh, Well, that's easy. That's faithfulness. And faithfulness isn't there by itself. Faithfulness is actually, it's, it's the key in relationship. And we could say that trust is the foundation of relationship, but faithfulness is the standard by which we measure to any degree the stewardship of trust that we've freely given to another. The demonstration of obedience always gives visibility and expression to faithfulness. We must be obedient. As Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. He's looking for faithfulness. And it's important for us to to understand that faithfulness is the fullness of the kind of faith God makes available to us. And it's manifested and expressed by and through his love. And this faith is able to be released through us according to our obedience to his word. So, because if we're not faithful, you, you, the only way that a person can prove themselves trustworthy in a relationship is through faithfulness. When we study it out, this is what Jesus taught. And so it's, it's important for us to, because nobody wants to have a relationship with someone that they can't trust. And if you look in the body of Christ today, the fractured relationships, whether it is through different denominations, sometimes within the same church affiliation or groups of people, there are segments where people have lost their willingness to trust one another. And this is the main area that we need to work on in the body of Christ. And, you know, for example, a husband and a wife, if trust doesn't exist between the husband and the wife, the marriage can't stand. And so that's true of any relationship. And so these are some of the things we need to think about, some of the things that we need to, to work on. And again, the Holy Spirit will be the one that helps us get to this place. Yeah, trust is really important for me as far as my relationships go, whether it's with my husband or with uh, friendships. Boy, break my trust, and it's hard to get it back. Um, but, you know, I was a poor child growing up in a, a very wealthy area, and because of that, it is super important for me to treat everyone the same uh, because I didn't get that treatment from everyone, whether they're rich or poor, no matter what race. And uh, that, I think, is important in God's eyes as well. How will God hold us accountable for how we treat someone else? Well, it's important to uh, remember, and let me let me digress for just a, a real quick second here and just say that what we were talking about about trust in this book, I have a sneak preview in the back, as I do every book, because there are nine books written, so I've got a sneak preview that gives a, a little bit of sneak about a preview about the next book or one of the other books. In this particular book, the sneak preview has three chapters on trust, uh, on what trust is, how do we trust one another, how do we get back to trust, why should we trust one another, what are the dangers if we don't, uh, what is vulnerability, is it friend or foe, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's really good stuff, good scriptures, and I've had a lot of, of great testimonies from people that have read that, and it has actually healed their marriage or actually even improved their marriage. Well, we're all going to have to stand before God. I mean, we're all of us, the Bible tells us, 
that we will stand before God and give an account for what we did with Jesus. What did we do with his word? What did we do with their life? That it, that's going to involve our words, our thoughts, our actions. The Bible has a lot to say about actually how we as Christians are to walk in all these areas. And when it comes to relationships, I mean, you know, you can't have relationship or even the, the thoughts or the beginnings of it without communicating to others or having some type of, of uh, transaction with people, some type of interaction with people. And in the process of that, sometimes we say the, the wrong things or someone says the wrong things to us or someone's mistreated or stripe gets in. There's no room for those kinds of things. It doesn't have to happen. If we were really in the place that we need to be relationally with Jesus in terms of maturing in the things of God, and I'm speaking now about the fruit of the Spirit, which is the uh, the nine fruit of the spiritual love, joy, peace, faith, meekness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, likened to self-control, and long-suffering, likened to patience, then if those things are matured in us and we're allowing him to mature them in us, then there's far less chance that any of these things can happen negatively in our relationships because we will be held accountable for the way we treated one another. So let's start now making sure that we're doing the best that we can by getting ourself out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit in to do the work in us that he desires to do so that we can become the Christ-like character visibly to the world and everyone else that we come in contact with in our relationships so that we can get to the place to where we need to get to because we can't fulfill our destiny that God has designed for us if we don't walk circumspectly the way that the Bible says, people get purpose and destiny confused. Purpose is what God created you to accomplish. It's what he puts you on this earth for. Your, your destiny is the path by which you walk out your purpose. And so in order to get to where we need to get to, Psalm 119.105 says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we want to make sure that we're on the right path to fulfill our destiny, the right path to our relationships being the way they need to be, then we want to make sure that we stay in God's Word because it's always going to lead us down the right road in no matter what situation we're in. But, you know, that means that we have to take the time and make the priority to get in His Word in order to do that. So we these are just some of the things that we need to remember if we're going to get to where we need to get to. Okay, we've got time for one quick question and one quick answer. I just want you to talk about this. Um, Jesus was a friend of people who were outcasts in society, but does it matter who we befriend? It does. matters greatly because uh, Jesus told us in, uh, in James 4, 4, he said, this is one of my favorite scriptures, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It does make a great difference who we who we uh, befriend because there's some people that you can't trust. There's some people that you don't want to hang around. Um, the world there in that verse in the Greek actually transla- translates out the arrangement of decoration that is without moral substance. It means that that which is only surface deep, void of any moral character. In other words, it can be defined as the moral belief system of the world, which is to say immoral being the opposite of God's character. So we don't want to be associating with people that have that have that kind of immoral character. Now, Jesus, we know, ate with sinners, sure. 
we can have a relationship, meaning we can speak into their lives. We can be around them and talk to them. But if you look at what Jesus did, he never compromised his testimony. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on Pop Talk Radio today. If you want to reach out to Kevin Almond, his website is calltounity.com. That's the number two, calltounity.com. And you can find his book, Unity, It's Every Christian's Call, on Amazon. There's also a study guide available. You can get that at burkhartbooks.com forward slash bookstore. That's Burkhart without the D. Mine has a D in it. Burkhart, B-U-R-K-H-A-R-T, books.com forward slash bookstore. And we'd love to hear from you at Pearls of Promise Ministries. Please email us at info at pearlsofpromiseministries.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, at Pop Talk Media, and Instagram at pop underscore ministries. Check out our YouTube channel for all of our past Pop Talk television shows. And we would love to invite you to our Level Up Women's Conference coming up Saturday, October 8th at Northview Baptist Church in Louisville, Texas. You can find out the details and register on Eventbrite. That is Pop Talk for today. I'm just an ordinary girl who God turned into a pearl. Have a great week. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on SoulWin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. SoulWin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on SoulWin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. SoulWin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.